You're listening to Psalm 102 in the Message, a podcast. I'm Jeff Ponder Twardy. Any of us, when we think about our spiritual journeys, we can think about it in oh, different formats, I guess, different ways we can think about our spiritual journeys. A friend of mine described her spiritual journey as the four seasons. No, not the musical group. They're long gone. Um, but winter, spring, summer, and fall. And as she describes it, she's she does a real good job at describing it in such a manner that I think any of us can plug our spiritual journeys into that kind of schematic, that kind of way of looking at a spiritual journey. Anyway, uh, I had a conversation with a friend of mine not too long ago. Her name is Lynn Ware. She's from Huntsville, Alabama. And uh, she's had a wonderful life and also some trying times, but she is worth listening to. And so I'm going to share with you my conversation with her and her descriptions of her own spiritual journey and also a little bit of a conversation about a walk to Emmaus. Uh, And walk to Emmaus is a construct by the General Board of Discipleship in the United Methodist Church. And it's a wonderful spiritual weekend. It's not an infomercial, it's really not, but it is a it is a neat thing to, to think about and you might want to incorporate it into your own spiritual journey. Anyway, I look forward to uh, sharing this conversation with you and uh, I'll talk to you on the other side. I am glad to be talking with you, Lynn, on this. Uh, we, we finally linked up this, this end of January and... Um, so how are you today? Doing great. How are you? Oh, we're good. We're good. It is yeah. it, it is that funny day when, you know, it could be 70 in Alabama one day, and then we'll run into, oh, it's sleeting outside. Oh, and that's yes. special. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So that's where we are in January, and February will be full of those days, too. So anyway, we're good. Um, I, I, I've been looking forward to this because I have... Um, my experience with you, really, really out of the gate, uh, was uh, a spiritual experience uh, because you and I crossed paths uh, initially through Walk to Emmaus, right? Yes, yes. Where, where, tell, tell us about, where was that? Where, where, when did we do that? And where did we oh, do that? Do you remember? I can't remember the year. It might have been um, 2011. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. 2011, yeah. 2012. Yeah. I think that's right. And we were up there at Crystal Springs in Tennessee. Uh huh. That's what I remember. And I remember you were serving on clergy and I was serving on the uh, prayer team. And I remember you coming down to the prayer chapel. And I believe I had some music going uh, by the International House of Prayer up in Kansas City. Right. And you had mentioned uh, that you knew who they were, which is very sometimes. Very rare. I don't come across a lot of people who are familiar with them. And I had one of these encounters where, you know, the burning heart for Jesus, the, 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 when, when, when your heart just inside, you just had this burning love for Jesus, and I could see it in you, and, and the Lord just gives me these indications of, yeah, that, that, person, that person's got it too. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's, that's one of mine. <laughs> yes, yes. And I saw that in you right away. Yeah, the... Um... My experience of that was, yeah, being in the in the prayer chapel was just was really. I, it's one of my favorite elements to it. 
Um, yeah. You asked me to be a part of the uh, the prayer team, basically the prayer, the chapel team, uh, on the most recent experience we had with each other. That's right. Yes, my husband was the lay director of a boys' flight for Chrysalis, which is the teenage version of a Walk to Emmaus. Yeah, and um, that was just a, uh, an incredible experience. Um, absolutely incredible. You know, when you have a Baptist uh, minister come up to my husband and say, I feel like we're in an environment where if I asked anything of the Lord, he would say yes. I feel like I could right now ask the Lord if I could take a thousand Bibles over into China and the answer would be yes. I mean, it was it was an open heaven. It That's was so cool. an incredible experience. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, we'll talk about, because I know not everybody, a lot of people are because, you know, they're Sometimes they're hip deep or knee deep in it, or they have been. Talk a little bit about uh, Walk to Emmaus and what a Walk to Emmaus experience is for you. Mm -hmm. I did my Walk to Emmaus in 2010, back when the community had them out at um, Gunnersville. Um, and what I remember from my experience was it was a renewal. It was a, a chance to get away and to hear from Holy Spirit and be touched by Holy Spirit through the agape love of brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. We tend to have a lot, we tend to, to follow the Greek mindset in the American church where we understand the Bible through an academic type approach, through uh, reading and, and through listening to other people. And um, sometimes we're starved to really get along with God and know how to hear from God ourselves. And the dimension for Walk to Emmaus and also the, the Chrysalis programs is we are, we are encountering the Lord through the relationship of brothers and sisters in Christ, yeah. through other people serving us. And there's a, for me, there was just this release of agape love through other people I could see the Lord and other people. And the walk to Emmaus is when Jesus was walking with these men who were uh, brokenhearted over, over who they thought the Messiah was, um, being crucified in Jerusalem. And it wasn't till the end of the walk when they realized, when they broke bread and they realized that Jesus, he was Jesus, that he was there with them the whole time. Mm -hmm. and, and for me, the revelation was Jesus is in you. Jesus is in my brother and sister in Christ. And it was another dimension that I learned of how to experience the Lord and experience him in and through community. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yes, I echo I echo so much of that. Um and you know, it, it it's it it's it's it is a um and has been uh for for because I entered into it as clergy initially. Uh -huh. And um, and I was invited over the years. Why don't you join? Not join, but why don't you have you know your weekend? Take your weekend. Da 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 da. And we had little kids, and it's just kind of like, oh, you know, I don't know. And you know, and April said the same thing. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. And it was just the right time. It's it's that thing, uh, that right time when uh, yes. God says, "Well, this is your time," and the door is uh -huh. open. And um, uh -huh. and so when I went, walked two nineteen. Walk to Emmaus 219, uh, North Alabama, walk to Emmaus 219, Table of Paul. And so, you know, that was me. And um, it, it was, it, it's, 
the the experience then uh, kind of like put my foot in the door to then really really to serve then uh, to then be given opportunities uh, to serve and I've served a lot in uh, the New Covenant Emmaus community and um, it's just been tremendous the people I've met people like yourself and others have just been uh. and you know just. It's just been wonderful and I've seen a lot of things and, and encountered a lot of folks and it's just been powerful and wonderful. I agree. And there's one more thing I would add that, that has been extremely profound. I met my husband through an Emmaus walk. <laughs> wonderful. Was, yes. I mean, you know, I'm not guaranteeing that to any of the singles that are listening to this. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but, but it's I'm not just, spares and pairs. All right. Let's, yes, let's... Exactly. And then. <laughs> Yeah, I, I met him. He was he was uh, giving a talk on his uh, on 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 uh, a, a, not flight. Listen to me, a walk yeah, that he yeah. was serving on. I met him. I was in just happened to be in the prayer chapel. I was in the uh, agape team, and I met him there. And then I met my daughter's birth mother at a Christmas flight. The cow. And, Yes, that's right. That's we, right. Yeah. 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 yeah that's we, right. We maintained a relationship. And when she became pregnant out of wedlock, she asked my husband and I to adopt our daughter. So yeah, yeah. Th- that is very profound meeting a spouse <laughs> and an Emmaus and, and, and then having my daughter uh, through Chrysalis. So God has really done something tremendous for this family. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. Share with us a minute um, where you grew up. A uh, little bit about uh, those early years. What was what was going on with you, and then we'll we'll go from there. Um, I um, my parents uh, met in uh, Virginia and married. And uh, my very early years, we were in Virginia. And then my father took a job with Tennessee Valley Authority in Belfont, and I spent my formative years in Scottsboro, Alabama. Had two younger brothers. And uh, when Belfont went through layoffs in the 80s, we moved up to Tennessee. He was with Watts Bar. And we were a part of, my mother is Catholic, and my father was Methodist. And when they married, uh, my father converted to Catholicism. And we were a part of St. Mary's Catholic Church in Scottsboro. And, yeah, it was a little strange growing up was in such a minority religion in the South. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> thought we were a little strange. But uh, because there were so many opportunities um, through uh, friends who were Protestants, you know, I had, I had an understanding of the difference of the theology, which, you know, again, religion is just a, a shell or a hole on the seed. And, um, you know, I was able to feel the presence of the Holy Spirit in the Catholic Church. There are plenty of people in the Catholic Church who are quote-unquote saved. Uh, They wouldn't understand that theology. They don't look at it through the Roman Roman Rhodes theology that the Protestants do. Plenty of people in the Catholic Church who are saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. So I encountered uh, the Lord through uh, the Spirit uh, in the Masses. I felt I always felt very drawn to Jesus and going to Mass as a yeah, child. Yeah. Um, attended CCD, was very inquisitive, wanted, you know, I, I still remember the state conversations I had with, with our CCD teachers, which was what uh, the Protestants would call Sunday school teachers. Right. Um, 
you know, so so there was a drawing that was always there from from the very beginning, from childhood. Um, then I'm going to say probably around the age 19 and 20, something along there, then some very profound things happened. And, um, you know, I've heard it say that, you know, to the Greek, God is is wisdom, but to the Jews, he's he's reaches them through miracles and signs and wonders. And he, he broke out the miracles and signs and wonders for me at a very young adult age. I was having dreams. I was having visions. I was experiencing the gifts of the Spirit. Um, and then at, yeah, I think it was exactly 19 years old, I found myself in a Protestant Pentecostal church, and I answered an altar call. And I remember the pastor making the altar call, and I was, everything within me, every fiber of my being said, I'm going down there. But I heard the voice of the enemy in my mind, and, it, and, and the voice said, don't you go down there, you're going to make a fool of yourself. <laughs> but I, but I, 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 just, I just couldn't even give that any traction at the moment. Yeah. And I, I couldn't even remember how fast I got down to that altar. But I, <laughs> I remember to this day what I was wearing. It was a long um, navy skirt and, and a white uh, top. And I was down there on my knees. And I said, I repented of my sin. I expressed how sorrowful I was for my sin. And I said, I really need to know if you love me. Because right now I don't feel like anyone does. And I'm telling you, all of heaven opened. And I uh, had my eyes closed at the time. And I had a light that was so bright, it passed before me, from my, going from my left to my right. And it was so bright, it was moving, and it was so bright, I could see the veins in my eyelid. Wow. And the only way that I knew how to describe this, it was a love like nothing I'd ever experienced and peace that surpassed understanding. And I was weeping and weeping because of the love. I had my arms, I was on my knees, I had my arms up in the air, and I was, my whole body was shaking because I was overcome with love. Wow. So that's how he, that's how he introduced himself to me personally, was he was love. Now, I'm going to tell you, I was in a charismatic church because the boy I was dating at the time, they were Pentecostal and charismatic. Mm -hmm. And um, just as I said, I could find truth in the Catholic Church, I also found truth in that church. And sure. I found him in that church, not because of that particular church. He could have met me and done the same thing in a parking lot. Correct. Um, so uh, that church all gathered, the entire church gathered around me, and they were all trying to place their hands on me, because at that time they thought, you know, kind of like in the book of Acts, if you just touch something that has been touched by God, that the same thing will happen to you. That that didn't happen to anyone, but they were all crowded around me, praying, and they were touching me. And when the encounter was over, I couldn't even walk. Wow. Because the power of God had come so powerfully, they had to help get me to the front row and sit down. Now, by the time we got to the front row and sat down, I did not have any scripture memorized. As a Catholic, we didn't memorize scripture as children. They didn't. Yeah. They, help, they helped us to understand the sacraments. They helped yeah. us to understand a lot of things. But, but it wasn't like Awanas in a Baptist church or something where you, you, you memorize all the scripture. So I had all of this scripture going through my mind that I never knew. 
all of a sudden I could just start quoting scripture to you. Wow. And I remember going out in the parking lot and getting in the car, and there was an older gentleman who came up to me who had been walking with the Lord for a long time, and he said, don't you ever lose this. Don't ever backslide. And I remembered the warning. So the, the problem that we have, though, is no one discipled me. No one handed me a yeah. Bible and said, this is now your life. No one entered into a personal discipleship relationship with me. So, of course, I went back into my patterns of sin. Of course I did. There was no um, definitive walking me through inner healing and deliverance and breaking off the strongholds that were in my mind, that were that were built up over my life uh, against the knowledge of Jesus Christ and who he was and what he could do. So I did experience like a 10-year uh, period of just being in the world and living as the world, but having the Holy Spirit in me. And I remember at first thinking, I'm a psychic. <laughs> I, I'm now a psychic. I can do things psychics can do. Well, no, it was, the, it was the voice. I know, isn't that funny? It was the voice of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So all of a sudden, I have the counselor, I have the advocate, I have the comforter, but I don't really know what's going on. <laughs> so I have 10 years of this, right? And yeah. then finally, after a 10-year period, I remember it was after 9-11, and a lot of people were going back into church, right? And I had a friend who invited me. At this time, I was now living in the Washington, D.C. area, and I had a friend who invited me to go to church with her. It was McLean Bible Church. They taught you. It was, it's like I got a free seminary education. Wow. And I just kept, I just kept signing up for everything. I was single. I didn't have any children. I mean, there was a point in time where I was going to a class four times a week. And I went through years of this. And what a blessing the Baptists are. I just want to bless the Baptists right now because they they take the Word of God and they make sure their people know it. Mm -hmm. So they gave me a phenomenal education. But I also learned they were cessationists and there were certain gifts that they didn't believe still uh, occurred to the state. But yet I was ignorant of all of this, and I was walking in those gifts, yeah, practicing yeah, those yeah, gifts, yeah. Um, which they never had a problem with. But, you know, I, I, it was a little confusing for me um, to have these gifts and, and be in a church that, um, you know, that, that wasn't, uh, didn't believe in them. So fast forward a couple of years, and I get this job with the Defense Intelligence Agency as a civilian, and I have a real strong desire to return to the South. I spent so many years in Alabama, so many years in Tennessee growing up. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, I know now that it was Holy Spirit leading me back here. It was very strong. And I apply for this job on Redstone Arsenal. I find out later I was one of 984 applicants. They chose me. <laughs> I moved down here. <laughs> Um, I, I moved down here. I get involved with my old friends from Scottsboro, Alabama, who were in the Walk to Emmaus community. I go through my walk um, after attending Asbury and attending um, the other one, Crosswinds. I, I land at the Rock Family Worship Center, and God let me know that um, you know that that church is not superior to any other churches in this in this town. But that was just the place He wanted me to be. Correct. And um, 
then God started filling in the gaps in other places. You know, we, we are we are a constant work in in our faith. He he did it through what we just discussed relationally through brothers and sisters in Christ showing me that facet of the diamond. And then through the rock, this is the first time I've really been in a church that practices, believes, and teaches in the gifts of the Holy Spirit that I have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, is, it is interesting. We, this is the thing about spiritual journeys to me. Mm-hmm. It's because, um, you know, I've listened to them and, and, and done this little project that I'm on right now that God wants me to do. Obviously, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it and it's 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 that <clears throat> it's that learning that first of all your journey you are running parallel at this time with a lot of people. I mean, yeah. it's 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 a journey. It, you know, it's the proverbial. If you look at scenes, especially we've seen scenes in the last year or so in this country of demonstrations and people, you know, marching in the streets for whatever reason. Yes, yes. Our spiritual journey in a lot of respects is is mirrors that. We are running yeah. parallel and there are people that move forward with, you know, blow horns. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you, you know, you know somebody yeah. in in your in your whatever, your vicinity is on a spiritual journey because Oh Lord, did you get another call from so and so? Yes, geez, she's you know she heard from God again. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. What what'd she tell you? Let's see, but you know yeah. whatever. Blah blah blah. And I don't want to make fun of that stuff, but it is funny. It's it is this interesting. Yeah. We're we're on a journey with so many people, and 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 it's a comfort to me, and I know it's a comfort for you that we're not in this alone. Yes. That oh, yes. even as those brothers and sisters who come alongside to be our siblings. Our, an older brother or sister to guide us and to maybe show us some things, you also get yeah. to realize they're on their own spiritual journeys too. Yes. And, you know, when you're talking about um, experiencing God and having having your uh, experience, your conversion experience, or, you know, your encountering of God, you know, the truth of God's love and everything else, and the dear heart says, don't, don't backslide, God yeah. bless us all. You know what? Part of the journey, because biblically, <laughs> you know, our heavenly Father still uses people that are goofed up, broken, and and yes. and cockeyed in so many ways. But God uh-huh. is there to bind the wounds and to put us on a right track, or simply to run alongside of whoever that person is for a while. Yeah. That He has His purpose in them, but also to show them some special things they would have known otherwise. So it is yeah. it is a journey with others, you know. It, it, other people's testimony that give it gives you so much hope, so much hope. Yes, I mean, I, very I good. Know when you and I, when you and I met, and we realized that we had been in this same season season of of suffering, um, not needlessly, but suffering for a purpose. It was like taking a drink of water in a desert. Yeah. You had sent me books. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. <laughs> you had sent me books, and I wasn't—I wasn't really up to speed about who you were. Mm-hmm. And we were—we were living with family at this point. And I'm, you yeah. know, April and I are both kind of like God's got a plan for us. God's got a plan for yeah. us. And then you sent me those books, and it's, you know, it's, 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 um. The one, the one book about the issues of unanswered prayer. Do I have it on my bookshelf in here? No, it's at home. Um, it, it, you know, that kind of thing. It's just kind of like, and it was just kind of like, this is, 
This is exactly right. This is, you know, this, and this is so real. The issues of unanswered prayer for so many people can debilitate your faith, you know, because you think you got, you, you got God by the tail, you got everything going on. And the fact of the matter is, is that it's part, it's part of the maturation of us all to go through those times where God seems really silent. What have I done wrong? Or what, you know, what, what's, what's goofed up with me. And the fact of the matter is, is that, well, first of all, again, you're like billions of other people who have had the same degrees of experiences one way or another, you know, is God is silent or whatever. And then that's part of the maturation and kind of like growing in so many things. So anyway, so you had sent me those books and it was just kind of funny. So it's just, that's exactly right. We're all on this, all on this thing together. And it's just tremendous. It's just tremendous thing. Yeah, such a relief. I when I, we have so much of that Old Testament theology that has bled into the New Testament church of out of Deuteronomy of blessings and curses. If yeah. you're just right, if you're right with God, you now if you're right with God and you obey God and you you tithe, you do this, you check this box, you're going to be blessed, 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 blessed. It's blessings and prosperity. Yeah. But if there's, but if your life is is, is like this, ooh. You are, you know, you're cursed because there's sin in your life. And I found when I was going through my dark night of the soul, which, by the way, is, is something that, that, that St. John of the Cross, I believe, wrote a book on. Yeah, when I, yeah. Was going, when I was going through that, I was so alone, even within the body of Christ. People misunderstood the season that I was in and misunderstood why it was happening. I had um, a brother who died frankly, right in front of me. I had a miscarriage of our only baby, and I was sucked into litigation uh, over something that was not my fault that took years and and broke us financially and Mm -hmm. was extremely unjust. This was my first understanding of just how, you know, you think if you go to court, well, hey, I'm in the right, and the truth's going to come out, and justice is going to prevail. And between those three things, and, and it, that didn't happen, by the way, uh-huh. uh, because attorneys lie and judges are not unbiased. They're human. Yeah. And uh, things don't turn out the way that they ought to. And so between all of those things, my husband and I just went through this extremely dark period of faith. Things were being stripped away from us. And I remember standing in the kitchen one day and I said, Lord, I think that you're trying to form blind faith in me. And right now I'm convicted that my faith has been propped up by my circumstances. And that honestly, my love for you has actually been driven by how blessed you have made me in my life. And I'm telling you, it was probably one of the most honest places that I've ever been when I walked with Jesus. Because when the props are stripped away, when you, I could not at that moment point to anything in my life and say, here is proof that God is good and God loves me. It is, it is that hard thing because you, you, you want, first of all, you just want it over with, whatever it yeah. is. You just, yeah. you just want to be done with it. Yeah. And um, to kind of like be told that um, in one way it's conveyed to you that this is, this is, this is part of a process Mm-hmm. Um, in one shape or another, and um, you'll you'll be better on the other end, and all that kind of thing. It's just is is not necessarily what you want to hear, but at the same time, there is such wisdom in realizing that first of all, 
it is all part of the journey. It is part part of the uh, the difficulties of life that so often our faith kind of either glosses over or passes over or just kind yes. of like we'll talk about you know victory to victory to victory and we're all for the yes. victories of victories and victories but like uh, Joseph Garlington says you know but it's hell in the hallway that's right um you know so yeah. what do you do in the hallway well you learn uh-huh. you learn some things you wouldn't learn otherwise both that's about you and about God and you know your your honest moment in the kitchen is just tremendous yeah. it's just yeah, because it's kind of like, this is where I am. And and we could talk a lot about that. I have become convinced that one of the reasons, and I'm sure that there are so many reasons, that we will be spending all of eternity praising God for his wisdom and in and, and, and shaping us through suffering. But I have become convinced that one of the th- reasons why we have to go through it is because there is so much that we have picked up through religion that's got to be burned off of us. Yeah. Everything I went through ran straight into a controversy of what religion tells me I'm supposed to be experiencing. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and it just, the suffering just burns off the pride. It burns off the performance. I remember telling my husband one time, you know, if the only way through this is for me to name it and claim it, and just keep uh, a, a positive <laughs> confession coming out of my mouth and just believing and believing enough and it'll happen. I, I feel like that's witchcraft. You know, I, I'm trying to boy, oh boy, chant. Oh boy. Yeah, I, yeah. It's, it's a type of witchcraft where I'm trying to take my will and imply that onto the situation. Somehow my performance is going to um, make God do something or not do something. Yeah. I, 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 you know, you and I have talked about how ultimately this ended up. I was, I sold my house, which um, it just sold six months ago for mm-hmm. about almost $100,000 more than I sold my house for. But okay, that's another podcast. But uh, I ended up selling my house and my husband and I moved for a season up to Kansas City and I did a, an internship with the International House of Prayer. And I, at the time, I remember being just so like, gosh, is this really necessary, Lord? And then I get up there and I said, of course it's necessary. Yeah. I I should should be in a position where I would sell everything, right, to go find that treasure in the field. Yeah. So I get up to the International House of Prayer and I come out of that internship and I realize, number one, there is not any real justice in this world. We're in a fallen world. And I'm living for another age. I'm living for another age. I'm living for the perfect justice of Jesus to manifest. I'm not going to find the justice that I'm looking for from this lawsuit here on this earth. And the other thing I started to wrestle with is, and God is sovereign, but what does the word sovereign mean versus control? Hmm. And that's what tripped me up. Hmm. I didn't understand. I didn't understand, rightly understand, for most of the time I was in this suffering, the season that I was in, because I was surrounded by people in the body of Christ who don't understand suffering or the season of suffering. Hmm. So if I don't understand the season I'm in, that damages my faith. Yeah. And if I don't understand, we we have this false notion that God is in control, and so that every outcome must reflect his will. Yeah. And and I and I freely admit I'm still wrestling and asking for revelation. What is the difference between God is sovereign 
and God is in control. But it brought me to this place. I'm landed right now, marinating and meditating on Book of Revelation 21.5. He who sits on the throne will make all things new. Yeah. And Very I'm good. focusing on he's going to make all things new. And <laughs> since I came back from that internship at the International House of Prayer, we came back in December 2018. I got another job after being unemployed for years. I took a break because things were just too overwhelming. I finished a master's degree with highest honors. We adopted a baby. We bought a house. <laughs> my husband. My husband is so. We, so we are in the. We are in the season of blessings, right? Sure. One of the main. One of the main takeaways I got from my internship, Mike Bickle, who I respect immensely, said there are four seasons to our faith. There's spring. There's summer. There's fall, and there's winter. And he said, everybody, every church, every pastor, every Christian is living for the harvest, which is fall. Mm -hmm. We all want the harvest. We all want the victory. And we lose the other three seasons. And, you know, you and I have touched and agreed upon our winter season. And I feel like Russell and I are just on the, on the, the threshold, just the doorstep of, of the harvest. Mm -hmm. But I, I have to tell you, and what I would want to say to anyone listening to your podcast is, get the most out of every season. Yeah. Because I didn't go through my winter season the way that I wish that I had. Because there is so much growth and so many blessings that can come from the wilderness, that can come from the winter, that can come from the desert that I didn't pick up because I was too busy being uh, feeling rejected by God, being angry, being in depression, being through I didn't cling to him the way that I wish I had because I just I suffered from lack of knowledge. Yeah. It, it wasn't until I got up there and in the internship that I had a right understanding of what was mostly behind me at that time. Mm -hmm. And it's very important, I think, to understand we've got to understand where we're the season we're in now, where we're going, that all things have a purpose, and that Romans eight twenty eight really demonstrates the sovereignty of God. You know, it, God is, it's not, victory doesn't necessarily look the same in the kingdom of God that it does in the world. And hmm. I'm, I'm still working yeah. on having my mind renewed to get out of the, the, the thinking, the religious thinking that I've picked up along the way, and also of what the world says things should look like. Mm -hmm. And I, that's where I'm at right now, and, and that's probably what I would like to share, is that I am Jacob who has wrestled with this thing, and I've come away with a limp. But in my weakness, that's where he gets to demonstrate his strength. Yeah, very good. Let me stop now for a minute. Um, how do you feel? You okay? Correct, yeah. yeah. What about you? I, I'm good. I'm good. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna go to the your your favorite three. All right. Favorite three. Okay. Give okay. it to me again. <laughs> favorite meal. Favorite meal. Mm -hmm. Favorite artist. Mm -hmm. And favorite movie. Okay. Favorite meal. I'm gonna say my favorite meal is anything that's a comfort food. 
<laughs> but if I had to, if I had to get, if I had to get it really, um, I'm going to say pizza. Okay. Pizza is my all-time favorite meal. Not that I eat much of it anymore, but pizza. <laughs> favorite artist, boy, that is. Um, you know, and it's and you know and it's like right now. I, you know, okay, don't don't worry right about where you were now. 15 years ago. Yeah, right now in this very moment. Um, I think I like, um, you know, I think like most Christians, I really like a lot of the songs that Bethel put at, puts out. Sure. Very popular, very popular and for a reason, and I listen to a lot of their work. Um, right now what I seem to be having um, on repeat is this song, Rattle, by uh, Elevation Worship. Yeah. Um, I, I really like that one. Um, and um, favorite, what movie. was the last one? Favorite movie. Favorite movie. Currently, right now, I really like the movie Just Mercy. Have you seen that? No. Um, oh, Anna, our daughter, has seen that. it. Yeah, I was blown away by that by that movie. Just Mercy um, will break your heart. Yeah. In a good way. In mm-hmm. a good way. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Thank you, Lynn, for sharing with us a little bit of your spiritual journey and a portion of your life with us. We appreciate it. It's been a blessing, and um, we'll talk to you soon, I'm sure. All right, however you all are listening to us and whatever platform you find us, Google Play, Spotify, uh, maybe through Facebook, be sure to do what you can to, I don't know, leave a comment, subscribe, uh, leave a like if you're on Facebook. However you want to do it, we'd appreciate you doing so. That way, we know you're out there. All right, very good. All right, in the meantime, you all take care. And uh, care for one another. And we will see you along the journey. So long.